to take me under? Smoking weed in the street without cops harassing. Imagine going to court with no trial. Lifestyle cruising blue Bahama waters. No welfare supporters. More conscious of the way we raise our daughters. Days are shorter, nights are colder. Feeling like life is over. These snakes strike. Welcome like to episode 11 of Blue Blood TV. Today it's Natalie Bodie and Hassan Pinto. And we're going to talk about the following topics. We're going to talk about UVA Texas Tech. You ready to talk about that, Natalie? I'm ready. We're going to talk about the Nike. Michael Avenetti scandal, uh, Trey Jones coming back to Duke, and we're going to talk about the 2019 uh, UNC and Duke recruiting classes. They look really good. And um, in this track, Natalie, do you know anything about this track? I do not. Okay, so this is Nas. And Nas... Well, I've heard of him. You've heard of him, right? But you haven't really listened to his right. stuff, right? But Nas is like the illest rapper ever. And this track, If I Rule the World, world with Warren uh, Hill, is probably the hottest track of all time. So, very, very hot. So sit back and listen, and we'll get the show started in a second. The villa houses for the crew, how we do. Trees for breakfast, dime sexes have been stretches. So many years of depression make me vision. The better living type of place to raise kids in. Opening eyes to the lies, history's told foul. But I'm as wise as the old owl, plus the gold child seeing things. Things like I was controlling, click rolling, tricking six digits on kicks and still holding trips to Paris. I civilized every savage. Give me one shot, I turn tripe life to lavish. Political prisoner, set free, stress free. No work release, purple and threes and jet skis. Feel the wind breeze in West Indies. I think Coretta Scott King, mayor of the cities in reverse beans, the willies. It sound foul, but every girl I meet to go downtown. I'd open every cell in Attica, send them to Africa. Africa. Imagine that. Okay, we're back. This is Hassan Pinto and Natalie Bodie. Natalie, so what do you think of the track? I like the track. I mean, it's more your time than mine. Um, I have definitely My time. heard of heard of him and, and Lauren Hill, obviously, but definitely more your time. She she heard of him, and and, and I'm talking about Nas, the ill, yeah, illmatic. Yeah, she just said Nas. Sorry, I thought you guys heard that in the intro, but Nas and Lauren Hill. Yeah, illmatic. Get the album, cop that album. But listen, Natalie. Do you want to get into this uh, NCAA final, kind of recap it? I mean, it's not Duke Carolina, but I think we should recap it, don't you think? It's certainly not, but we do have some Texas representation. So you know who I wanted to win that game, but I'm not disappointed. UVA? You're not a Virginia girl? Guns up. Where are you from? Brenham, Texas. 979. 979? Bell, Texas. Put it on the map. All right. Gosh, she's not a Virginia girl. She's not a North Carolina girl. She's Texas. Well, some people wanted UVA to win simply because they were an ACC team, but I don't know. I So to get into it a little bit, I did want Tech to win, um, but I'm not disappointed, and here's why. Because, you know, a year ago, UVA was the first one seed to lose to a 16 seed, UMBC. You remember that? I do. Um, and, you know, in that, you almost just, you're happy for UMBC in, in that instance, but it was also the first time they were in a title game, and it was their first win for their school. So I like the variation in winners. It wasn't, you know, blue blood by any means, but I'm happy with it, and I'm a big Kyle Guy fan now, so much like the rest of the world. So I was I was happy with the ending. I didn't think the game was super exciting. I mean, it didn't come down really to the wire, but what did you think? I thought the game was ex- exactly what I thought it'd be. I thought it was going to be like a soccer match. I thought um, it was the game was going to end on penalties, but at the end, the game picked up, the pace picked up. Um, 
the ball started to go in the hole. And um, so it was the game that I thought it would be. I thought it was two half court teams um, that, you know, you played in the half court that had a lot of good rotations. But again, I, th- I thought the better team won. I thought UVA was the better team. They were number one all season. And um, and I, I was actually comfortable with the outcome there. What about you? I mean, I just I appreciate UVA's journey to the national championship game. I mean, they they trailed Gardner Webb, a 16 seed during this during this tournament. They you saw them struggle against Oregon. You know, you saw a lot of adversity that they overcame. And then Auburn, the last second free throws. Come on. Yeah, true. But let me ask you a question. Were you bored? I wouldn't say I was bored. I mean. Like I said, I think there's a big storyline with this game. And so either way, I was going to be happy. Like I said, I wanted Texas Tech to win. I wasn't bored. It wasn't like like we both said. It didn't come down really to be, be a nail biter. But it was a comfortable win for UVA at the end. Okay, well, let me ask a question. Did you not want to see any fast break points? I mean, did you not want to see the guys go down and turn well, over the ball the and I fast really, break? I wasn't super invested in either team. So I was just watching a national championship game. What were you disappointed? You seem disappointed, Haas. Were you disappointed? Okay, I, I'm a soccer guy, and I th- I thought I was watching a soccer game. Right, it was lots of passing. Um, there weren't a lot of scoring initially, um, and I like that. But at the same time, this is basketball. It's not soccer. This is basketball, and you know I did prefer. I would have preferred a game where the teams' um, styles contrasted a little bit. And we had one team that was a running gun team, get to the hoop, get the get some buckets, drive the lane. But these two half court teams really meant the first half. I, I I was bored to smithereens. Well, let me kind of change direction really quick. Let me ask you something. Do you, how do you think this will change UVA's program? Because it is, like I said, it's their first title, first time you're making it to a title game. So, what do you think is going to change for them going forward? Well, in my day, I think. Um, UVA had some of the best players. They had Ralph Sampson. UVA was a big-time program. Um, Until recently, um, UVA has not been the program they were in the the 80s and the early 90s. So I think that the University of Virginia has an opportunity here. So the opportunity is they have an opportunity to uh, keep a bunch of the great players from the Tidewater area and uh, and get them to go to UVA. Those those players have gone to uh, Georgetown. They've come to Carolina, um, but there's a you know great state school in the state of Virginia, and Virginia has amazing athletes. So that's what I think it's going to do. I agree with that, and you know I was looking at you know, this is a, a team that won the title. Obviously, you know where's the star power in this team? And you hear some of the names thrown out, like DeAndre Hunter. He's been predicted number five by some number nine by other a top 10 pick by most Ty Jerome a top 30 pick but like I said my little crush on Kyle Guy he's not even he's been predicted by some to go undrafted Mr. Indiana basketball that's Kyle Guy and uh, Ty Jerome I mean he, he's a great point guard but but he bored me I'm, I was bored to death well, see with Kyle Guy you get the story and and he I mean, ice in his veins. If you you watch the Auburn game, ice. No, not no, 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 no. You you watch that, and you see him go up to take his three free throws, and I'm just thinking, you know, this guy knows it's all on his back. I mean, not there's a lot of things that lead up to it in the game, but when it comes down to it, 
And he just three for three. At that point, I had so much respect for him. But then I saw a post game interview. He's so open about so many struggles he's had with anxiety, et cetera. And he really had been the story, regardless if he's you know the predicted to go the highest in the draft or whatever. He's he's not. A lot of people think he'll be a twenty twenty prospect. But I just I loved watching him, and I think. You know, the storytellers did a great job making him the lead guy. I, I agree. I think uh, Kyle Guy, when he came up to shoot those uh, free throws, I mean, he was laughing. He, he was so relaxed that he was rela- laughing like, there's no way I'm going to miss it. He's a fantastic player. Um, he's a little undersized for the NBA, and mm-hmm. I think that's the reason he's having problems in terms of um, getting a look. But the guy is a baller. The guy can shoot the ball. The guy's fun to watch. Um, he's a great, what I call, college basketball player. But let's just talk about, like, you know, go back to the star power. Let's talk about, um, you know, do you think the media wanted Duke in that final? Or, or do you think they were happy? You know, I, I do. And I think that you find a lot of people kind of putting in their two cents about how, you know, ESPN and et cetera are always kind of centralizing the media around the big stars, the Zions, et cetera. You know, we're not going to get through what podcast without saying his name. So if if anybody thought that was going to happen, you were wrong. But, um, I, I, I think so. However, I, like I said, I really loved seeing two teams that you don't really, I mean, well, okay. UVA is one seed of course, but you don't see a tech in there. And even UVA being a one seed, they'd never been to that game. And so, there, to answer your question, absolutely, I think there's a bias, but I'm so glad that the two people that had a chance to win it all were not the typical, you know, centralized bias holders. All right, great, 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 great. So um, let's switch the topic. You okay with switching the topic? Let's go ahead. All right. I know I wanna, your next I, topic in it. Yeah, I, I want to. one go, guess starts with a Z. Yeah, Zion. See, I'm, I'm a ratings guy. I, I want to talk about the hot topics, things that are trending. I'm for it. And um, and I want to talk about the Nike Zion mom or Zion and the Michael Avenetti sca- scandal. So Natalie, can you kind of tell us what's the deal here? What do we know so All right, far? So let me let me let you guys in on on what I know so far. And so okay, Avenetti, that's how you say that, right? Michael Avenetti. He ah. sits down with CBS and he tells CBS that Nike and their executives have been funneling money to players for years, amateur players for years. You know there's tons of talk and investigation and grassroots leagues and scandals, and essentially what this comes down to is Avenetti's saying that Nike is giving money to these amateurs so that they will go to Nike colleges, so then they will go to the NBA, and they will sign shoe deals with Nike. And it's, you know, a funnel for Nike. But the thing is, is Avenetti turns in like 41 documents claiming Nike bribery and that Zion's mom was paid by Nike for bogus consulting. And that's how she got all this money. And she has made no comment. And Nike has made no direct denials of this. So all of it is very suspect. There's, you know, a lot of gray area here. But I think I I don't know a lot of people that think that there's been no corruption involved. Want to hear my take? Let's hear your I'm take. going hot right now. Go go hot. Go. All right. This is how you know there's corruption because the FBI, I guess, six months ago confirmed that Adidas was doing the same thing. So the question you have to ask yourself was Adidas bidding against itself? No Absolutely shot. not. This Play or get played. 
play or get paid, right? So it's like if Adidas. Oh, I like that. You put a spin on that. Play or get paid. Get okay. paid, yes. Get so, played was mine, but I might like his better. But 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 check this out though. Uh, if Adidas was confirmed doing it, the FBI caught them. Well, you don't pay people unless someone else is paying someone, right? Exactly. And so, and there's no shot Nike isn't. There's no shot. There's no shot that Nike wasn't routing players to Nike schools. Adidas wasn't routing players to um, to Adidas schools, and Under Armour is probably routing players to Under Armour schools. I agree with that. Um, I would probably say not to the extent of Nike and Adidas because you see those two as the big players here, but. Um, I mean, Under Armour is still very much so in the mix, and I couldn't imagine that they didn't also think they needed to get in on that to have some leverage. But I just, I'm curious to see what we continue to find out because, I mean, some of these allegations and some of these interviews were released within the past five days. So the next question is, are the coaches aware? I mean, are the, the coaches, coaches have to be aware? They the have, coaches have to. are in on it. Okay, the coaches of the grassroots leagues of all of those AAU teams of the collegiate teams and they might get, I mean, I'm not, I, I I mean, we'll see what happens, but there is no way that they are in the dark about this. Well, so here's my take again. Um, Everybody's in on it. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Everybody knows what's happening. We've got Carolina's a Nike school. Duke's a Nike school. Um, Louisville is an Adidas school was wrapped up in that scandal. And, Net net is everybody's complicit, everybody's part of it, and here's the result. It's time to start paying the players, okay? The players are getting paid, but let's just pay them. Let's just pay them. Let's find some type of economic um, system that works. And you know that it's all hitting the fan when Coach K goes to the podium and talks about the economics of basketball and how it's not working. And um, and that was the, the the first sign that there was a crack in the armor that that something's got to change. What do you think, Natalie? I mean, I agree with you. I think that it's such a massive problem to tackle, and it has so many components to it that that's a huge reason that nothing has been done. But you know, it's just sad. You see the NCAA release a video about the average day in the life of a student athlete, and so many of their rules are so bogus that even athletes are calling them out and it all it all correlates with paying players because they regulate that obviously however they couldn't even use a real collegiate athlete in that ad because it would go against their own rules <laughs> and so when you have something like that and the the person who is making the rules is also the beneficiary monetarily you're going to see a lot of corruption and it just it's going to take a lot but a change needs to be had all right, so we can just we can just cut it there. It's almost game time. Don't forget to pick up a six-pack or four-pack of the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale. Go to your local supermarket. If they do not have it, go to your manager and ask for it. The official game day beer, the Blue Blood Rivalry Ale, is light, crisp, and refreshing. Um, so Natalie, have you been watching recruiting? You're talking five stars. You were talking about, I want five stars. She wants five stars on UNC's well, campus. See, you know, let, no, let's talk. I'm a little, I'm not going to say I'm worried. Okay. 
I'm not going to say I'm worried. However, you know, we're talking Carolina basketball, and we're talking Nasir, Kobe, May, Williams, Johnson, all gone. So the identity of the team, gone. But in a lot of ways, it's gone. However, historically, we're such a a powerful team. We're going to be fine. Um, I have complete faith in in Coach Troy. But here's the the deal. So committed at UNC right now, Armando Bacot. Bacot? How many stars? He is five stars. Five. So you like him, huh? Jeremiah Francis, three stars. Armando went to IMG. Um, Jeremiah, he is... From a small, I think he, he didn't go to a uh, an IMG for sure, but he's a three star. Armando's a five star, and then in the past couple weeks, UNC's reached out to three grad transfers. So Rajon Tucker, he's a Charlotte native. He's at Arkansas Little Rock, twenty point three points per game. Then we have Daniel Utomi, Akron forward, fourteen point two points per game, and then lastly Christian Keeling at Charleston Southern, eighteen point seven points per game. So. Right now, we have two commits for sure. We're going after three grad transfers right now that you know are highly touted. A lot of other people are going for them too, and then we're trying still for Cole Anthony, Precious, Matthew Hurt, um, and even if we get a couple of those guys, I think we're gonna need some more depth. And you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, right now, it's I think it's still pretty up in the air. But those are kind of the main guys that we're going after, and and, and the guys that we currently have. Okay, so let me just tell you about Duke. So Duke has committed three guys. How many do you have committed? Two. Okay, and Duke's uh, three guys are a four-star and two five-stars. And you have one five-star. And what's the guy, a two-star? For UNC, he's yeah. a three-star. We okay, got three and three a five-star. Okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about it. So Duke has a uh, six-foot-two, 165-pound guard, Boogie Ellis. He's a four-star recruit. He's out of San Diego, California. Um, Duke is also has committed Wendell Moore from Concord, North Carolina. How do you feel about uh, Coach K going into the state of North Carolina and taking uh, players? But he's six foot five, um, 210, two guard um, out of Concord, North Carolina. Five stars. And that's kind of interesting because him and, and Rashawn Black, Leakey, they, you know, they play together, and uh, he'll be across the way, and and a little bit of that'll make that game a little bit more interesting next year too. Absolutely, that's what the rivalry is all about. And then the other commit is uh, Vernon Carey. He's six foot ten, two hundred and seventy five pounds, and he's another. Isn't he five the number star. one guy in their recruiting the class? Number one guy in a recruiting class. And they've got Trey They're Jones getting come, back their starting point guard. Trey Jones coming back, so I think. Um, I don't know if we're going to have like a Zion type of season next year, but what you can say is Duke is going to be good. They're stacked. They're stacked. They're when are they not stacked? They're, they're absolutely 100% stacked. But you know what, Haas? How many times did Carolina beat Duke this year? They beat them twice. Okay. I mean, they beat okay. them twice. But here's another guy. Let's talk about Matthew Hurt. Five stars. Now, this is a guy that we're competing with. Both schools are competing with, and he's warm on, on Duke and Carolina. Who do you think is going to win that that recruiting battle? Well, that's a toss-up, but, you know, I always wonder, and these guys' mind, are they kind of thinking, Am I gonna do I go somewhere where I'm going to be the guy, or am I going to go somewhere where there's many people that are the guy? And I think that, you know, it kind of depends. There's either way, both programs are so highly regarded that you, you see the same prestige with either. But in that 
scenario, I kind of think it, it gets down to playing time and, and how much you think you're going to be valued on that team, what your role is going to be on that team, and then ultimately what are your goals going forward? I mean, how quickly are you trying to make it to the NBA? Are you trying to win a national championship? Are you trying to be one and done? I think those are some questions that he's going to be asking himself in this recruiting process. Okay, so Natalie, if you guys get – if UNC gets uh, six foot nine, 215-pound Matthew Hurst from Rochester, Minnesota – what do you? What type of team do you think you have? You have two five stars. You have two, uh, a five star center. You have a five star power forward. Uh, if Cole Anthony commits, what do you think then? Well, at that point, I mean, you have a couple commits. We're looking at getting some grad transfers. I think it's just really going to depend how Roy wants to structure the team with the guys he already has as well. I mean, I, I you never really know who's he who he's going to put on the floor and who's going to end up gelling you know, for a while. And I think the identity of the team right now without the Luke Mays, the, you know, without Kenny, without Cam, it's a lot more undecided and up in the air than maybe it had been previously. So to answer your question, I don't know. And I don't know if a lot of other people know. Well, here's my take. My take is if Matthew Hurt and Cole Anthony sign. And Roy gets three five so stars. Okay, so you were talking about a duo and him getting three five stars. Correct. Oh, okay. I think that, that changes things. I think that Duke will have three five stars. Carolina will have three five stars. Plus Carolina's bench that you know that really didn't play. I think we have a really good team. I think then Duke, absolutely Duke will have a good team. I think Matthew Hurt. I mean, the guy is inside out, six foot nine. He's mobile. He shoots the three. He stretches the floor. And with the transfers, I think it's on again. And I think this time it's even more even. So, uh, so that's my thought. My thoughts on uh, Duke Carolina recruiting. Um, Natalie, um, what time of year is it? Like, what, what, what's the no. weather like outside? It's the spring, and that means spring football. We got the spring football game this Saturday. It is absolutely beautiful outside. I cannot wait to attend. And if we're going to start talking a little bit of Carolina football, I'm ready. All right, all right, all right. So are you ready to uh, talk uh, Duke football again? Let's do it. All right, so let's talk uh, Let's talk football. So now let's just start with uh, Carolina. Let's start with Carolina. Let's- Let's do it. So, is, tell me when. So, Carolina's spring game is this Saturday. When is Duke's? Well, Duke's was last week. So it's happened. It's already happened. Um, you know, Coach did you Co- watch that game? I did, and Coach- I leave Cambria for that. Oh, yeah. sorry. But uh, Coach Cut- Cutcliffe said, you know, they're off to a good start. They got a lot of work in. There was a lot of competition in the practice, um, and they're looking to have a really, really good uh, team. Last year, Duke finished uh, in 2018 eight and five. And um, they went to the Independence Bowl and got another victory. Um, this is their third consecutive bowl triumph. Um, the uh, The Duke team is is really on the way. I mean, they're winning bowl games. They're having winning seasons over there. They've got a new stadium, and it was just a great weekend for football. The community came out. And, Were uh, you in the stands? I was in the stands with all nice. the rest of the nice. media. So, um, so we're excited about that. But Natalie, I wanted to ask you about Carolina. Like, yeah, let's talk. That's Carolina next then. week. Um, who, who, who should we be talking about? Who should we be? So, all right. Well, I'm going to get into players as well. But I want to start off with some early thoughts. And here's what I think: Cause if we're going to have a successful season 
for Mac Brown, it starts with the spring game, obviously, and uh, it's going to be a hot start come time for for our schedule. But let's talk players real quick. So you have a lot of hype around a couple wide receivers, Dynamy Brown, Bo Corrales, uh, Fritz is is staying. He's at tight end, and then really, I think the story here is going to be the quarterback battle. Quarterback battle, I and like those. He so. Coach Fedora, he used multiple quarterbacks. Mac Brown has talked about doing the same. But what you essentially see it coming down to is Sam Howell, Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter. Those are the three guys that are kind of in the mix. Sam Howell is a mid-year enrollee. He's a Charlotte native that flipped the commitment from FSU to UNC. That was a big deal. And then you got a couple second-year guys in Cade and Jace. And, you know, I'm not really sure how, how that one's going to pan out. I'm excited to see who he ends up playing. I'm not sure how long he's going to stick to his, you know, use a couple quarterbacks in a, in a couple quarterback system. I think he might end up settling on one guy, but I think the hype right now lies with Sam Howell. All right, all right, right. So um, everybody's talking about Mac Brown's recruiting class, um, but they won't impact Carolina for next year. He's really going to have to work with what uh, Coach Fedora Absolutely. has in, in-house. And how, how are those guys? I mean, Well, for Mac, I think, okay, well, here's some of the pros going into next season with a lot of returning players and, and Mac Brown you know, taking over this program. There's, it's been revitalized. We have a new coach. There's a lot of energy surrounding it. But for him – Getting off to a hot start is crucial. That's what I think. Mac wants a bowl. He's said that many times. That's his goal. And the first half of the schedule, the front half, is is a lot harder than the latter half, in my opinion. And then every single FBS team on that schedule has made a bowl uh, in the past year. So we have a, a tough schedule. And, um, you know, we start off against South Carolina. But for Mac Brown, it's going to be using – the players he's got to the best of his abilities, but really getting off to a hot start in order to get people to believe in the football team again, to get people in the stands and, and to really say, you know, it's different this time. And all that, you know, the hype around the revitalization of Carolina football is real. Okay. So if it's, there's hype and it's real football, um, the fans come out for the spring games. I mean, in Texas, a spring football game, how many people come out? Well, if we're comparing Carolina football to football in Texas, that's it's not a huge comparison. No, I'm not even going to say it. It's not a huge comparison, but <laughs> spring games, you are going to – I mean, like, like a Texas A&M, are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, I'm talking big-time Texas football, Longhorn football, uh, Texas A&M football, Texas Tech football. What? How many people do they get out there? 50,000, 100,000? At a spring game, I'm not certain. I would say it's, it's up there in that range. Okay. But I've been at Kyle Field – when there are a hundred thousand other, nearly a hundred thousand other fans in those teams. Okay, so if we're gonna have a litmus test on the revitalization of Mac Brown, Carolina football, what do you think is a good showing? Oh, uh, you want a figure? I want a figure. I want. I, don't I want know. you. I want you to throw I, one out. I don't know what to expect because you know I haven't been around Carolina super long, but I think with this coaching change. And with, obviously, the new energy surrounding it, it's going to be hard to say how many people have really bought in or not. I think you might get a decent crowd of people that, you know, basketball season's over, baseball's out of town, we're going to go to the spring game. But give me a figure, Haas. Okay, so... You might answer this one better than I would. So I was here for the initial Mac Brown era. That that was the time that I was in school at Carolina. And um, a great spring game was about 30,000, 35,000 fans. Okay. So my expectation is I'm going to look at how many people come out in the spring, bring their families, hang out on campus, 
I mean, if it's a beautiful spring day like today, my expectation is 30,000, 40,000 people should show up, sit in new stadium, feel good about Carolina football. If they get ten or 15,000 people, I still think there's going to be a problem with well, let me tell you this because I got a figure for you now. Texas A&M set a new spring game attendance record in 2018, and they had 48,000 people come out. Okay, so, so that's... Do you think we're going to bring out around 40,000 people? I, I mean, that's... Hey, listen, Mac is in town. All right. But even if we bring out 20, 25, there's got to be a significant showing of interest in the program. Um, people have to see Max offense. They've got to get excited about it because that's going to tell you the type of support Carolina football is going to have next year. So that's true. I mean, you're bringing back an, a legendary coach. He has not been in Chapel Hill in 20 years, and he's coming back to restore the program that he left. I think you should get 40,000 fans. Uh, it's a free game, uh, beautiful. Hopefully, Saturday afternoon. Uh, you know, families pack up the kids, pack up the grandmothers, and bring them to the football field and, and, and enjoy a great day on campus at Carolina. That's what I see. Well, me and Cambria will be there, so we're going to have to follow that one up next podcast and, and let you guys know how that turned out. But I agree with you. I think it's an integral piece of, of next season, and I'm I'm really excited to see what Mac does, and I'm excited to see how the game goes. All right. So, uh, Natalie, I think that's uh, episode 11. That's a wrap. You know, we're on episode 11 episode 11 we've come far yeah we've, we've come, come far. very far so join us next time on blue blood tv podcast episode 12 we're going to recap unc spring football game we're going to talk about anything and everything trending in the blue blood universe you ready to be out there now we out and everybody have a great uh day out there it's beautiful and we'll see you next week days are shorter nights are colder feeling like life is over these snakes strike like a cobra the world's hot my son got knocked evidently it's elementary they want us all gone eventually trooping out of state for a plate knowledge if coke was cooked without the garbage we'd all have the top dollars imagine everybody flashing fashion designer clothes lacing your click up with diamond rolls your people holding dough no parole no rubbers going raw imagine law with no undercovers just some thoughts for the mind i take a glimpse into time watch the blimp read the world is mine if i rule the world imagine that These last days until where to be paradise life relaxing black latino and anglo-saxon the money exchange the range cash lost tribes and bass free at last brand new whips to crash then we laugh in the illa path the villa houses for the crew how we do trees for breakfast dime sexes have been stretches so many years of depression make me vision the better living type of place to raise kids in opening eyes to the lies history's told foul but i'm as wise as the old owl plus the gold child seeing things like